0: Everybody is Corey Poirier and I'm back with the latest edition and episode of the show. Really excited as well to have a uh, first time guest with me here today. So Rhonda Y. Williams, I wanted to jump right into, uh, you know, right into things and ask you if you could tell us a little bit about yourself for those listeners, viewers who may be discovering you for the very first time today.
1: Absolutely. So thank you, Corey. I'm so excited to be here with you today. So I'm a registered nurse uh, by background. I actually live just outside of Dallas in McKinney, Texas, and uh, I'm a sort of a transplant here. I'm originally from Philadelphia. But, uh, you know, I've had just um, a tremendous uh, career and being able to work as a nurse and care for patients but also to work on the leadership side of things. And, you know, as a nursing leader, um, having roles at the C-suite level, such as chief nursing officer and hospital CEO, um, I have experienced my own share and level of stress. And so, you know, I have learned lots of lessons through those um, endeavors. I'm a three-time author. Um, gosh, I guess four time now, things move so quickly, I can barely keep up. Uh, but you know, I am uh, just very passionate about helping leaders discover how to effectively lead while still lowering their stress to a manageable level so that they can love life and love
0: leading. So I love that because that's something we don't talk about often. You know, we kind of go both ends of the spectrum, which is on one end, we're like, how can people get more done? But on the other end, we're not saying what at what cost, and so I like the idea that you said uh, bringing the stress down to as minimal as possible while also still accomplishing as as much as you can, but if it's at a manageable level, so it's not you're not giving up something to be able to lead, and so maybe that's the first starting point for us. Is I'd love to get your take on. Why do you think people struggle in this area? Like, is it related to how busy our society is now? Is it just always been a belief that as a leader, you need to work harder? I'd love to get your take on why you think it happens.
1: Yeah. So really great question, Corey. I think it's multiple factors. I think some of it is leaders are not taught how not to do this, right? Um, I know for myself, when I became a leader, I just was, I just dived right in. Here's your office. Here's the keys. Here's the budget. Here you go. Right, And no one ever said to me, hey, here's the way you can be more effective and uh, and not sort of lose your sanity in the process. And so I, I've had a number of those days uh, myself. But I think the other side of it is I think organizations, there's a false sense of belief and security that, that leaders that are stressed are working really hard. And that's the expectation. And that's the norm. And what do you mean you're, you don't want to be stressed? I call myself an our soul a recovering stressed out leader, right? And so most organizations would say, I'm not sure if I want you on my team if you're not going to be stressed. Does that mean you're not working hard? But the two are not synonymous. And we have to understand that by giving up some of what comes when you lower stress, you really do limit the effectiveness of your leaders, your, their creativity, their innovation, all of that gets limited by the level of stress that they have.
0: Wow. So I guess then, um, and this is kind of a weird departure, I'm jumping off here. Uh, but I'm curious your take when it comes to being a leader and or accomplishing stuff on things like, for example, we hear a lot of talk about the four day work week versus mm-hmm. the five day work week. Have you, I guess, do you have any thoughts on that? Have you heard any I mean, I've heard studies, that a lot of studies that have said four-day work weeks can be more productive than five-day, but I'd just love to get your take on that, because it seems to tie in nicely with the idea of still having a life while also leading.
1: It does. I love the four-day work week. I think that's fantastic, and I think more people should actually do it. Um, but one of the things I think that stresses leaders out is their um, lack of skill set in navigating all the pressures that comes with being a leader, right? You have pressures coming from eight different places, And so I'm not sure it matters if you're working four days or if you're working five days if you are still dealing with those same level of stressors. So it becomes an organizational responsibility to help create an environment where their leaders can shift from surviving to thriving. And it also is inherent in a leader to step back a little bit and say, how am I going about this and managing this? And what am I taking on and what role am I playing? How am I complicit in my own stress level?
0: Wow. And so I guess um, as far as the other thing I want to ask you about, because I think this is important for somebody listening who, you know, maybe um, they're listening on the outside in and they want to become an influencer or a leader, mm-hmm. but they also, you know, wonder what that looks like. So can you tell us, I guess as well, Rhonda, when you talk about being a stress leader, free leader what is a leader to you so what what is you know what does even a leader look like as does a leader have to be leading many can they be leading five or one or like what is a leader overall anyway in the first place
1: so you know it's such an important question because i get this question actually um, for occasionally they, where i will speak to to folks and they'll say oh well i'm not a leader meaning they don't have a formal title of leader. However, I sort of view us all at a certain point a leader. Even if you are only leading yourself, you still gotta handle that, right? So you've gotta lead yourself minimally. And then even if you don't have the formal title of leader, who are you influencing around you? Right, so are you that informal leader that people see and respect and follow and honor, um, but just based on your influence. And so it's important for us to sort of redefine a little bit of what leader is. I am not simply talking about those folks sitting in the suit and the ties and in the c suite. I'm talking about people at very informal levels of the organization as well. Um, I want them to step up and own and recognize Uh, the value that they contribute, even if they're informal leaders.
0: Mm. Wow. I love that. Have you um, read the book by Robin Sharma, The Leader Who Had No Title? No. So I'd love to get your take on that as well, because, I mean, the whole premise, similar to what you just said, the whole premise is about being a leader, uh, whether you have a title or not. And how even, for example, the person that you meet when you first walk in the door of a business, you know, I've seen people with the, the title on their card, manager of first impressions, because it's the first person you meet when you walk through. Um, the idea he has is that anybody can be a leader. It's just that they have to internally take on the empowerment of that role. So mm-hmm. is that, that sounds like it's something you believe as well?
1: Absolutely. Because I, um, minimally, you know, a leader is a lot about how you view yourself. Right, it's, a, it's about your your belief system, your value system, um, the commitment to your contribution to the organization. All of that has to do with leader and that doesn't really have to do with the title, right? And so it's important for us to recognize that we in our own way all contribute to the success of the organization and we can contribute to its installing. Um, one of the things, one of the points that I wanted to share as I was thinking about what you were just referencing is Sometimes it's really important for us to think about what it truly means to be a leader and to determine, are we creating our own set of rules and cultures for hope, us as leaders? You know, I, I work with a lot of leaders and leaders love to say, well, well, I'm focused on getting the team to do this and they've got to be accountable and they've got to improve communication. And then when I say to the leader, so how's that working for you as a leader? Well, um, hmm. Or my other favorite one is, so how's that working within the C-suite? Are you guys great communicators and collaborators? And, you know, are you all accountable and following through? And all of a sudden, I get these looks, right? Folks are looking at each other going, well, not so much. So we have to also be careful that as leaders, that we are not creating a different set of standards for ourselves as a leader, that we are not, you know, sort of creating this group and clique that has these exceptions just by title.
0: Now, what about the whole emergence of the word influencer? Because it, it seems to me that maybe there's an overlap in some ways, but then maybe it is two different people in other ways. Like I know people that are leaders within an organization, but, and they run the show, uh, and maybe even good leaders sometimes, but they're not influencers, in the fact that they're not influencing people to take certain action, they're just leading the ship. Maybe they have five other people beneath them that are influencing the change or maybe they don't want change depending on the type of organization it is. So how do you look at the difference between an influencer and a leader or do you see a difference in the two?
1: No, I think they can be two different people. And if that's the case, a really smart leader who is not an influencer is going to surround themselves with lots of influencers because you can't really get the work done. These days, people want to uh, enjoy what they do. They want to enjoy the person that they're working with and for. uh, And, you know, if you are the person that is getting folks to do what you say because you have a title, that's only going to get you so far. Right? You need true influencers on your team who can galvanize the support and enthusiasm and energy of the team. Uh, so they can be different. I've seen leaders who are um, successful, but are not influencers. But I think many of them, once you get to a certain level, you recognize that, you know what? This isn't my forte, right? I've got to get somebody around me who can help do those things. And, and you know, I'm a perfect example of, of that. When you look at disc profiles and, you know, and you look at who's a D and who's an I, I have situational I. So even at the level of a CEO, I'm a situational D, I'm a situational I, right? But my strength is in my C. And so I had to make sure that there were people on my team who could be the cheerleaders, right? I'm not necessarily the cheerleader. So I, I will happily step back and let someone else plan how we're going to celebrate and recognize our amazing team. Uh, and so those are important traits, though, and characteristics that we're talking about when we're talking about effective leaders.
0: So what about now moving into work culture? Because mm-hmm. I feel like that's another aspect of being a leader is, you know, some leaders create a culture of compassion, caring mm-hmm. uh, culture that employees come first. I mean, I've even there's a book called uh, The Customer Comes Second, and the idea is if you take care of the cu- the employee, they'll make the customer first and you don't have to because, you know, if you take care of them, they'll take care of the customer. So there's a lot of thoughts there, but can you maybe talk to some ideas you've seen people put in place to build a culture that, that basically strives and makes a difference while also staying uh, less stressed because it seems like it'd be hard sometimes to create a culture. There's a lot more work involved in creating a culture like that mm-hmm. than creating just, a culture, you know, like that, that just exists. So yeah. can you talk to that as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So most organizations have cultures that just happen, right? It's a it becomes a function of who you, who do you have on your team, right? That's the culture we have. Um, or other organizations have understood the importance of being really intentional about creating your culture, um, and you can do that. You can create an amazing, stress free culture. The key is to make sure that it's stress free but still accountable, right? And so I talk about the six superpowers of a high-performing team. And those six superpowers of a high-performing team are what allows your team to, as I call it, ascend, right? And so that you are still, um, you've got your market share, you know, you are making a difference, your products and services are good, you've got that part of it. But now how do I leverage my people? How do I get the very, very best out of them? And that is by creating that culture. So the two, you know, I definitely don't want leaders and and organizations to believe that you can sort of sit back and be laissez-faire and, you know, and still get the best of everything. It doesn't work that way. But a stress-free culture to me simply means that you are eliminating and minimizing some of the barriers that stress your leaders out. For instance, we are all connected. Right, we're all we all live in a connected world. So it is if it is 10:30 at night and you are the leader of the organization and you are deciding to text a member of your team simply because there is a thing called text messaging, right? That is a challenge, that is a problem. And what you've done then is you've taken that person out of their personal time and their personal mindset and their personal space for something that could nine times out of ten wait until the morning right? Those are organizational stressors that don't need to be there. You know, um, the way that we communicate with each other. And, and so when we're talking about making sure that we're getting the best out of our people, we absolutely want to make sure that we're focused on the people. If you focus on stuff, the end product, the end result, there are, it's going to be a very, very bumpy road because we are very tunnel-visioned and short-sighted. So we've got to go through our people who are our greatest human resource.
0: So I want to, Rhonda, move um, away from the leadership side with some questions we always ask every guest. But uh, last leadership question I want to ask you, and I know you touched on it a bit throughout, but I'd love to just ask you the, the question itself so we can focus on it. But for those that are wanting to become better leaders, what are the let's maybe call it two or three things you would tell them, strategies or uh, traits they should have or traits they should work on. What are two or three that come to mind that Mm. you would share with people?
1: That's a great question, Corey. I'm so glad you asked because as I mentioned earlier, uh, we don't often teach our leaders to be strong, effective leaders. um, And therefore they just do the best that they can. And sometimes that works out and sometimes it doesn't. So a couple of things that I would um, suggest to, to leaders who really either are into leadership and just want to be good, strong leaders, or you're already in leadership and you want to improve your leadership. One of the very first ones I would ask, um, I would recommend is clarity. Clarity on who you are, what you believe, what you stand for, right? Having that compass, that North Star within yourself is a tremendous, tremendous help. Um, Because you will always be able to go back to it. When something doesn't feel right or sit right, you can go back to that clarity and find your way. So I always want to say, who do you want to be as a leader, right? What's important to you? And have you be intentional about that? The next one I would say is developing good, solid decision-making, right? And not being afraid to go out there and make a decision. Perfection is not the goal but people do expect for their leaders to be able to make a decision. And you can do that many, many different ways. You can collaborate with your team, but at the end of the day, you've gotta make your decision and then you don't need to beat yourself up about it, right? You're gonna make the decision, put it out there and move on. And if it doesn't work out, you're gonna go back, mess up, own that, and move on uh, from there as well. The other one I would say is developing confidence in yourself, right? Understanding, you know, that all of us bring to this a level of humanity and authenticity, and it's okay to show up as who you are, and you don't have to necessarily be like everyone else. In fact, heaven forbid, you are like everyone else, right? You want to be different. There's a quote that I heard that I just absolutely love, um, and it goes, I have no idea who said it, but why are you trying so hard to fit in when you were born to stand out?
0: Mm. Wow. Right?
1: yeah, so those are those are a few that I would recommend to leaders for them to really, and then the last one, and I'll just stop here is to really work on the art of your communication, right? Communication, there is not a single outcome or result that doesn't have something to do with communication on some level.
0: wow, i love I love that, and I agree with it so much. Uh, communication has been such a, a core part of my entire career and business, so you'd be hard-pressed to get me to argue that point. Uh, so, Rhonda, as I mentioned, as we wind down, we always like to ask two or three quick questions of our guests. Now, I always add when I say they're quick, it doesn't mean they're easy, So uh, meaning they're, they're big questions. So one of them is around legacy. And so I'll set the tone. When I ask people about what legacy means to them, some of the guests say that, their legacy will be determined by somebody else after they're gone. They'll just live their way they're meant to live, and it'll be determined. Other people tell me they figure out what they want their legacy to be, and then they make sure every day they're aligned with that. And mm-hmm. so my first part of the question is I'd love to get A, uh, what, which uh, side of the fence you sit on, and then B, what does legacy mean to you?
1: Yeah, so, wow, great question. So for me, legacy is really about, you know, it's about your imprint. Right, it's about the uh, the image that comes to mind is the the footprints that go through the sand, right? To me, it is that's what legacy is about. When uh, the lives that you have touched, the the impact that you have had on others. So it doesn't have to be stuff, right? But it can be just who you are and what that meant to others in your life. Um, to me, that's what legacy is about. What are they going to say? When I am no longer here, what are they going to say? Hopefully, they're going to laugh a lot. They're going to say that I'm a huge uh, Philadelphia Eagles football fan and all of those other things that we ate too much on Football Sundays, but that I was someone who was always focused on helping others become the best they could be. So for me, that's what I think of when I think of legacy.
0: Hmm, Wow. And now, how about success? How do you define success? Like, What does it mean to you?
1: Success for me, and and this is, I'm not sure if anyone else has this definition of success, but success for me is this variable state, right? It is, it is deciding that you want something that it matters to you and then going for it and achieving it. That could be something small, that could be something big, but to me, success is sort of evolutional. You know, if that makes sense, it's, it's an iterative process and uh, and success for me is also about being able to truly enjoy the journey and not to get so caught up in the destination because you can miss the destination. Right. And then if that's your definition of success, then all of that effort and work feels like it was for nothing. And so I like the idea of evolving and my success being continuous.
0: I love that. And, uh, and I love the idea of evolving because I think if we stop growing, really at the end of the day, we stop living. Absolutely. And so my last official question, Rhonda, and then I want to ask you maybe the most important one, which is how we can learn more about you and your work and connect with you further. But before I jump ahead, last official question is what I call the time machine question. I probably mm-hmm. asked this question well over 5,000 times, probably over 5,500. And it's a simple question. It's that if you could jump into a time machine, Go back and talk to a younger Rhonda and give her one piece of life advice based on what you've learned in the year since. What do you think you might tell younger Rhonda?
1: Oh, wow. I think what I would tell younger Rhonda is you are perfect exactly where you are. I There is a lot of uh, time that I spent trying to figure out how to be perfect or how to be okay or is this what I'm supposed to be or should I be doing this? And you know what I learned, Corey, is it doesn't matter. It's all a journey and where you are is perfect. It's just, it's setting you up perfectly for your next step, whatever that is. And so you don't have to worry about it or you don't have to stress about it. So that's probably what I would be, what I would tell my younger self.
0: I really like that because I will tell you the most common thing that we've discovered after asking that question that many times is that most people would tell their younger self, the stuff that you're worrying about right now will not matter in a year's time. Yeah, And it's kind of, you know, a summation of what you just said. So I think you're right in target with what most people, after they've had the the years to learn uh, what they would tell themselves, almost always want to go back and say is stop stressing out about who you are right now, what you're doing right now, because it's all significant and it'll all matter. But at the same time, um, to the other point, what you're stressing out about probably won't matter. Right. So, so I love that you care that So Rhonda Y. Williams, I said uh, the last question, which is the unofficial one, would simply be, where can we learn more? How can we learn more? So the question out of that is, Where is there a hub? Where would you send people who want to find out more about your work, want to follow up on this interview and want to connect with you further?
1: Absolutely, um, my website is probably the best place. You can go to thestressfreeleader.net. Um, and if you are that leader who is stressed and would like information on how to go from stressed out to stress-free, identify five types of stressed out leaders and the actions that you take to move through that state are different. So you can go to uh, stressfreeleaders.com, um, stressfreeleaders.com for a free ebook download.
0: I love it. So Rhonda Y. Williams, with your permission, I'm going to call it a to be continued because yes. I know we barely scratched the surface. You know, one of the downsides of uh, short interviews is that even though everybody seems to want everything shorter now, you never seem to be able to fully scratch the surface. So again, I'll call it a to be continued. And with your permission, we'll look to bring you back on in the future again as well.
1: Absolutely, Corey, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure being here with you.
0: Feeling is a thousand percent mutual, my friend. Thank you. Okay, thank you.